Welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, where we talk to great bosses and those who build great bosses about what it takes to be a great boss. And now, here is your host, the founder and CEO of Boss Builders, Mac Monroe. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the Boss Builder Podcast. Today I have a very, very special treat for you. What we're going to be doing today is interviewing a guest, a very special guest. His name is Dr. Joe Reed. Joe Reed is a former Marine Corps officer. He has been a former manager in corporate environments and nonprofit environments. He has been a former university faculty and now has his own organizational development practice. Dr. Reed is going to talk to us today about this whole idea of organizational politics. You know, we watch TV ads and they talk about political candidates and it makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. You watch TV programs like Survivor or Big Brother and you realize how these coalitions are always at each other's throat and stabbing them in the back. Well, when it comes to dealing with organizational politics, a lot of us assume that it's the exact same way. And in some organizations, it absolutely is. My guest today, though, is going to give you a new perspective on dealing with organizational politics and also some real quick hit how-tos that will make you, the boss, more effective in navigating those politics. So without any further delay, I want you to meet my very special guest, Dr. Joe Reed. Dr. Joe Reed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mac. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. You know, I I have known you for a few years, and I will say, and when people ask me, do you know Joe Reed, I'll say, yeah. Uh, I have sat in his workshops, and Joe has forgotten more about management development <laughs> than I'll probably ever know. So it's an honor to have you on the show. Absolutely. Joe, I want to kind of address this question about organizational politics. I do get questions not only in my workshops, but also through email from people who have been promoted to be the boss. And now suddenly they're a little worried because now they feel like they have to do politics and they don't want to look like they're political. They don't want to look like they're fake, but they, they're just concerned about it. So my first question to you is why do so many managers get frustrated when it comes to dealing with politics? And yeah. maybe a second part of that, why should they care? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Most of the new managers that that I have an opportunity to work with, and actually uh, quite a few of the experienced managers as well, look at politics as a negative, right? They, they see it as a distraction. They see it as an obstacle to avoid rather than as being an important part of the job that they have to do. So the the paradigm that they have about organizations in general and about politics in particular is probably not as functional as it could be. Think about this for a second. We all like to think that the organizations we work in are these logical, rational systems that make decisions based on data and facts and that just happen to have people in them. It's a nice fantasy, right? But yes. in the real world, organizations are people systems and, and they make decisions based on perceptions and emotions while it, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt while attempting to operate logically 
for the most part. Organizations are these these complex mazes of of egos and coalitions and constituencies and rivalries and and all kinds of traps and dead ends that a boss that a manager can run into as they attempt to get things done. Now, managers have to play different roles, right? They have to wear different hats at different times. So sometimes they have to wear the hat of the coach. Other times they have to wear the hat of the the planner or the problem solver. One of the hats that every manager New or experienced, doesn't matter. Every manager has to wear on a regular basis is the hat of the leader. We all have to be leaders. And most of the time when we think about leadership, we think about it from the perspective of of leading our team of direct reports. And that's certainly an important part of it. But it's not the only part, right? There's another part to being an effective leader. It's about influencing people who don't report to us, influencing people over whom we don't have direct power or direct authority. We have to do that so that we can get the resources that we need for our team. We have to, we have to do that so that we can create partnerships and synergies with other departments, organizations are more and more built on interrelated activities, you know, cross-functional teams to get things done. And we have to be able to reach out and create partnerships with these other departments and other constituencies in the organization. And we also have to be able to do it to create any type of lasting change within our organization. And I think all of those things requires the ability to navigate organizational politics. I I don't think you can be an effective leader in an organization without participating in the political process. It's the way that you get your voice heard. It's the way that you get the resources you need to accomplish your goals. And ultimately, I think it's the way that you become a force for positive change within the organization. Now, they they sound like grandiose ideas and, and activities. But when you become a manager, those are things you have to do. Those are things you have to think about, Mac. Well, you know, this is a, it's a great response. And this is often what I hear from my audience is that I'm thrust into this role. And it's not just my direct reports. I've got all these other groups and some organizations are what are referred to as matrix. So you have all these different reporting areas. And as the direct report, I I think you want your boss to be able to take care of you. But I see so often that the newly promoted boss just gets frustrated and they simply sit there. So you're suggesting that we're actually uh, required to take an active role in this. When a manager tries to do it, what tends to get in the way? Well, there can be a lot of things that can get in the way, uh, but let me go back to what I think is at the core. I, I think it starts with our mindset. Now, 
I, I could spend uh, I, I could spend the entire time that we're going to have here talking about mindset, but I'm not going to do that to you. Um, in a nutshell, when I say mindset, I'm talking about that um, internal state that we have at any particular point in time that uh, is really being driven by our beliefs and our emotions and our our physiology. They're all interconnected, and they drive our behavior. Maybe the the most important place to focus is on beliefs because beliefs are often the the really the focus of our mindset. It's the start of our mindset. Let me try to give you an example. Um, you're out driving in your car, and, and you know you have the belief that. Uh, you know, you need to be responsible. You need to be a safe driver. Uh, you need to respect other people and somebody cuts you off. Well, you know, your belief that they're driving recklessly and that they're being unsafe and endangering other people, that causes you to have an emotional response. What emotional response do you get, Mac, when somebody cuts you off? Well, I'd like to say that I wish him a good day, but it, it <laughs> never turns out like that. No, you get you get ticked off, you get angry, right? And right. here's this emotional response, which actually has an impact on your physiology, doesn't it? Your heart starts to beat faster, your blood pressure starts to go up, you start to move into the fight or flight response, right? So yes. the belief drove the emotion, which drove the physiology. Now, let me change the belief for just a moment. And I'll use a personal example. I was over in um, Ireland uh, earlier in the year, and I rented a car for some reason, <laughs> and I'm out driving. And uh, I had a, a three-hour drive from Dublin to the town that I was going to be uh, leading a seminar in, actually. And somebody cut me off. Now, they drive on the opposite side of the road in Ireland from the U.S. My belief was different when they cut me off. My belief was, I am probably doing something wrong. You know, I I probably have made a mistake here. And because I had a different belief, I had a different emotional and then a different physical response. My response was, wasn't anger. It was embarrassment and a little bit of chagrin, right? But it all started with my belief. And to go back to your question, what gets in the way, I think that often managers have beliefs that don't serve them well in terms of navigating organizational politics. I think um, a lot of managers have the belief that uh, politics are not my job. That's, that's somebody else's job. That's my boss's job to do the politics. Or they have the belief that, um, you know, when, when I need to get somebody to, to do something, I, I can just go to them and ask them to do it, and that will make it happen because I, I, I've clearly got a good idea. 
And when I put my good idea in front of somebody, they're going to see the inherent merit of that idea and they're going to accept it. Not only accept it, they're going to they're going to champion it. Yeah. Um let me ask you, Mac. Um when you were working internally within larger organizations, did you ever have good ideas that other people didn't see as as good as you thought? Oh, it happened routinely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm not a dumb guy, but I thought these were some really good ideas, and they largely just got dismissed or ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another belief, I think, that is a bit dysfunctional is managers and I have been a manager at different points in my life um, in different types of institutions and we managers tend to be pretty doggone task focus Mm -hmm. Um, and the belief that that's related to is that relationships are less important than the task, which um, probably doesn't turn out to be true because most of the tasks that we have to accomplish as managers require interdependencies with other people. And the relationships we have with those people are going to be critical for us to be able to get what we need from them. Hmm. Another belief, and I'll I'll get off of this bandwagon of beliefs here in a second, but something that I think is really dysfunctional is the the idea that the facts will speak for themselves. Uh, Go back to what I said earlier. We don't work in logical, rational systems. We work in people systems. And people people have different takes. People have different perceptions. People have different needs and interests. So it's important to be able to, to provide evidence to support the facts and to make those facts come to life. So to answer your question, what gets in the way? What's the biggest thing that gets in the way of a manager effectively navigating organizational politics? I think it starts with the way they look at politics, their mindset about politics. Okay. Well, with that said, you've given a lot of examples of where I think managers would basically say, well, then, you know, I'm not going to play the game. I mean, is there a, a, a is there the perfect mindset to have? Is there the perfect attitude to have toward politics? Well, I don't know about perfect, but um, a lot of times when I talk with managers about politics, I'll ask them to free associate. I'll ask them to write down a few words that come to mind about organizational politics. And then when they share those words, I hear things like um, hidden agendas, manipulative, unethical, um, dishonest, all negative types of perceptions. So, I think the best mindset is to recognize that uh, 
whenever you have groups of people, there are going to be politics. And all we mean by politics is the way that power and interests come together to affect the decisions that the organization makes and the actions that it takes. I think that's a pretty benign, um, pretty non-judgmental way of looking at politics. And when you look at it that way, you can then build on it and with that mindset say to yourself, I need to be able to affect the decisions that the organization makes. I need to be able to affect the actions that the organization takes. And that means I need to be able to approach this organizational politics perspective from a, a positive place. Yeah, politics could be negative. Politics could be disingenuine. But your mindset needs to be, this is, this is an important part of my job, and I need to do it in a positive, ethical way. Wow, that's, that is a... That is a completely different mindset than I'm thinking most people have of politics. I mean, you just have to simply turn on your TV now and either watch the commercials for the politicians running for office or watch a program like uh, Big Brother or Survivor. Oh, and you God, see yeah. the, the negative piece of that. And so it sounds like uh, our bosses need to just realize this is not a negative thing and that they need to begin to leverage it rather than run from it. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to look at politics as part of being a leader in an organization. You're expected to be a leader. So you need to become politically savvy about how politics work and you need to approach it as i said and i can't say this too much from an ethical positive way okay well i want to get to some strategies in a moment but i'm just wondering based on your experience are there certain organizations that you might say are more political than others and and if so what are some of the things that would make an organization into one? I mean, it sounds from what you say that every organization has this, but but a few come to mind for me that I say, wow, that place is rife with politics. Uh, what would make an organization be that way? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, probably a number of factors, the distribution of power within the organization. Generally, the more that power is centralized, the more that decisions are made at higher levels, then the more important politics becomes for the way things get done. Um, if there are fixed pie rewards, and most organizations have fixed pie rewards, I mean, they only have so many resources to go around, right? The resources are limited in some way, shape, or form. So people are vying for those resources. There'll be more politics. If um, decision-making and the criteria that's used for decision-making is more ambiguous or more subjective, then politics becomes more important. If um, performance measures are less 
clear, if it's less obvious what good performance looks like, then politics are going to become more important. All of those things sort of get put into the mix. As you said, every organization has politics, but organizations with those characteristics, they're going to be experiencing even more politics. Wow. Well, it sounds like uh, somebody newly promoted to the boss probably needs to get them a good mentor to learn how to navigate that. But, you know, on that note, is there there's some quick hits that you can give to our audience about how to do this? It's it sounds ominous, to be perfectly honest. And I've worked in these organizations and I've consulted in many more. But, you know, having worked in just a few like that, it can be frustrating what are some quick hits you can give to our audience on on how-tos? Okay, quick hits. Um, I'll go back and say, yeah, it absolutely starts with mindset. So your intent, your recognition, that's going to, you know, showing up is 80% of the game sometimes, right? So being willing to participate in a positive ethical way and seeing it as part of your job will will take you a long way. Beyond that, you need to work to build your power and your credibility. And when I say power, all I mean is the capacity to influence other people, right? We only have power in relation to other people. They can choose to give us power or they can choose to not give us power. And power comes in different forms, right? When someone is promoted into a supervisory or a management position, a lot of times um, as the individual contributor, they were looking at that at that uh, promotion as giving them all kinds of power. Well, it's only giving them a certain type of power, right? It's giving them positional power, and that positional power only goes so so far. There's other types of power that people can tap into. There's uh, reward power, you know, getting people to – to listen to what you have to say because they see some type of positive benefit in it for them. There's expertise power where people may do what you want because they respect your knowledge. They respect your competence for the area that you're talking about. There's uh, personal power, which is the power that you get from being able to form relationships with people. and being able to to get them to like you. There's charisma. There's proxy power where people do as you want because you have friends, you have contacts higher up in the organization. Now, all of those things theoretically could come into play. I'm going to suggest that a quick hit is to work to build your power basis and to work to build a couple of those power bases, perhaps a little harder. But one of the things that you need to be able to influence people is credibility. You need to be believable. You need to be trusted. 
And the two sources of power that are most associated with credibility are expertise power, you know, other people's perceptions of your knowledge and skill, and your personal power, your ability to create relationships with other people. So the expertise power isn't so much about what you really know, but rather about people's perceptions. So you need to make sure that, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, um, <laughs> one of my commanding officers um, one day told me, don't hide your light under a bushel barrel. Now, he must have been a farmer at some point in time in his life. Don't hide your light under a bushel barrel. But you need to be able to let people see your competence and your experience and your accomplishments. I'm not talking about bragging, but I'm talking about doing a little bit of self-promotion so they recognize that. And the other piece, the personal power, you need to actively work to build relationships. You need to see relationships as being an important part of your job. And you need to go out of your way to do that. Does that make sense? It does. You know, majority of people that listen to my podcast have been newly promoted to be the boss. And in most cases, it's because they're the smartest one on the team. So I'm thinking, you know, they'll walk into the promotion and say, well, I have the power now. I've got the positional power you were talking about and certainly some expertise power because I'm the smartest one in the group. But it seems like you're going into the fight with only like one weapon. You've given me a list of them. But I love this idea of personal power, uh, simply going out and, and building relationships with others. And I think that's an area where a lot of newly promoted bosses, they'll say they don't have the time for that. It sounds to me like if you don't make the time for that, you're going to really short your capacity to influence things. I would agree. You know, I, I don't think you can say you don't have the time for it. I, I think you have to look at it as part and parcel of the job. And you have to you have to be able to carve out time to create partnerships and to reach out to people and to build those relationships so that if and when you need to approach someone there's that credibility and that trust already in place. And that's going to speed everything up, Mac. You know, trust trust is this wonderful component. It's like a lubricant, right? When we have trust in a relationship, everything works more smoothly. Think about this. Um, somebody you trust pokes their head in your office, and they say, Mac, I've only got a second. Can you do this for me? You're going to say, yeah, sure. No problem. Somebody you don't trust pokes their head in your office and says, Mac, I've only got a second. Can you do this for me? Whoa, hold on. Wait, wait, come back. Whoa, you want me to do what? Why? You know, it's going to slow everything down. So building relationships is really the, the keystone 
of being able to navigate organizational politics. Wow, that's great. Well, Joe, what resources would you recommend for the audience to help them take charge of politics? You gave us a lot of strategies. Are there any resources you might recommend? Absolutely. Now, um, I, I actually do a, a work session, uh, a seminar, Navigating Organizational Politics, Influencing Without Authority. Um, I sometimes do that as a public seminar, and I am absolutely available to do that um, on site for people's organizations. And we can even work through um, online deliveries of that to help give people some tangible skills that they need. I'm also going to suggest, because, you know, we're limited in time here, but I'm going to suggest that people take a look at my website. And um, I, I do have an article that's downloadable from the website called Avenues of Influence that actually gives people eight specific strategies that they can utilize in order to start to expand their areas of influence within their organization and and to become better prepared to navigate organizational politics. That sounds great. Well, what is your website address and how can our listeners get in touch with you? All right. So they can get me at Dr. JosephReed.com. So that's D-R-J-O-S-E-P-H-R-E-E-D.com. And um, when they go on there, they can uh, find my contact information. They can find my email address. And um, I would love to hear from your listeners if they have any questions if they have anything on their mind about organizational politics or influencing, because it's an area that um, that I guess I'm pretty passionate about. It sounds like it. Well, I'm going to tell my audience now, if you do not contact Dr. Reed, you are losing out. He is a phenomenal workshop facilitator and speaker, and I highly recommend him as a resource. Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. And, uh, Best of luck as you continue to grow your practice. And uh, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mac. Well, and again, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Reed. We really appreciate it. You know, as the boss, you will be faced with numerous challenges. And I really believe if you can put what Dr. Reed said into motion, leveraging your power, learning how to build relationships, you will be far more successful as the boss. And I believe you'll remain true to yourself and will not be seen by others as simply just another political animal. Developing as the boss, of course, is what we do at Boss Builders. And so if you have been newly promoted to the boss and you need some resources, we highly recommend our Boss Builder Academy. You can do this while watching videos, participating in our in-person or online monthly roundtables. We have on-site courses that we offer to get more information on those. Of course, you want to go to thebossbuilders.com to read our weekly blog. Please go to Mac, M-A-C-K, Monroe, M-U-N-R-O.com. And of course, continue to follow us on the podcast at bossbuilderpodcast.com. You can also reach us on now Spotify and iTunes. 
Until the next time we meet, get out there and be the absolute best boss you possibly can. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast with Mac Monroe. To get more information on being a great boss, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or at Mac's blog, macmonroe.com. Until next time, get out there and be a great boss.